Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Coach Roberts. Well, hello there, Dino. How are things going today? It's been a pretty good day. My uh, mom is finally out of lockdown. Sometimes when your senior parents live in community living and somebody gets the COVID, they suddenly seem to be residents of Alcatraz. Locked down to keep everybody safe, but... No way to escape. No way to escape. Yesterday morning... They got the all clear and started allowing visitors, so my sister Stephanie went yesterday, and we went and got to enjoy her company for a while today, and then of course on Sundays we see Bethany and Jacob and Shelby and... Ellie Ann. Ellie Ann. Her personality is really developing. (laughs) I don't know what she was saying today, but she talked nonstop. Just like her daddy when he was young. (laughs) It's going to be interesting once we know what she's actually saying. Yeah. Her mom is very happy because she is actually calling Shelby Mama now. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Yeah, and she can point out Granddaddy and Grandmom and Aunt Bethany. Beth Auntie. Beth Auntie and Daddy. Yep. She understands everything we're saying. That's for sure. So my friend Jared reached out to me and Jacob yesterday to see if we wanted to run, which was a surprise because he's really busy with the harvest season right now. And so we decided we would meet him at Legion Park at 6.30 in the morning. And there's typically a group of people that meet at 6.30 on Sunday morning. Evidently, that group of people looked at the weather forecast. Or they all went to (laughs) Florida for fall break. That's true. About 90% of the people I know are currently in Destin, Florida. Or they're tapering for Boston next week. Oh, it's Boston next week. Yeah. (laughs) As if you forgot. I have not forgotten. So, Jared, myself, and Jacob were at the park, and we took off for a run. And unbeknownst to me, a thunderstorm came up. and... And what were you wearing? I was wearing my brand new shoes that I had just purchased the day before. You don't ever put on brand new shoes in a thunderstorm. I didn't know it was going to rain. (laughs) But anyway, the shoes worked out great. And uh, when they dry out, I'll wear them again. Did you stuff newspaper in them? I did. That's good. That's a good trick, listeners. If you have wet shoes, wad up some newspaper, stuff them in the shoes, and it's just amazing how dry your shoes get. So on this run, it starts pouring down rain and it's lightning in and I was a little nervous. I don't like running in the lightning. I don't like being outside in the lightning, but wasn't a lot we could do. I was really impressed as we were running along, a car coming towards us, slowed down, rolled down his window, said, hey, hop in, I'll give you a ride. And we said, oh, that's okay. Uh, but that was quite the generous offer, right? Because we were just ringing wet. 
And this guy didn't know it was from anybody. It reminds me of the, the Good Samaritan story in the Bible where the guy was robbed along the way and several people went by and just ignored the person. But one person was compassionate and tried to help and, and did help. And that reminds me of a couple other things. We'll get to your run and your Boston stuff here in a little bit. This tangent could go on for a long time. And it reminds me of something that we heard at church this past Sunday where a former police officer was uh, shot and wounded and he was able to drag himself to the edge of the road and he said a, a couple stopped to check on him and he said to the couple, call 911. And they did. And as the story was told, the, the woman in the car said, to her husband, come on, let's go. And the husband said, no, I'm going to wait here with this person until help arrives. So, And he survived, and he's doing great. And then another story of compassion that uh, is fresh on my mind right now is with the Moab 240, which is starting next week. It's starting Friday of this week. Friday of this week. So there's a there are cutoffs along the way over this 240-mile race over five days, 112 hours total cutoff. But the rules say that if you notice somebody that's hurt, you should stop and help them. And if you miss a cutoff because of that, they typically make accommodations to allow you to continue participating. Show compassion. One more story of compassion is when Bethany and I were riding our bikes early one morning in the dark, and again, neither of us had checked the weather forecast. And there's not typically monsoons in Kentucky, but it seemed like a monsoon. The wind was howling, and the rain was coming down hard. We pressed on to a fitness center that was along our route, and we knew that there were exercise classes there really early in the morning. So we pulled up and took shelter under an awning, and when class let out, a lady had compassion on us. Said, hey, let me give you a ride home. And uh, Shelly, if you're listening, thank you for giving us a ride home. But anyway, it's just so nice when people are considerate of others and are compassionate and go out of their way to show the love of Jesus to their neighbor. So how was your run today? It was good. I think I'm back on track about three weeks ago, which... I guess my disclaimer is sometimes as coaches, we know the right things to do, but then we don't always in our own training do the right things for ourselves. So that's why I need to make sure I keep you involved in my coaching. (laughs) Because sometimes as athletes, no matter how seasoned we are, it's good to have somebody checking in and looking over your shoulder and making sure you're making quality decisions. So (laughs) about... Three Mondays ago, I hopped on the scale for the first time in, I don't know, two or three months. I don't get on the scale daily unless I'm really monitoring my weight. I got on the scale and had gained a few pounds. And so my immediate reaction wasn't, well, let's just monitor this for a few days and see if it's just the normal ebbs and flows of, you know, natural body systems, whatever. No, I was like, oh my goodness, Boston's in three weeks. How am I going to get these few extra pounds up the heartbreak hill? (laughs) (laughs) Instead of talking it over with my coach and doing the things I knew to do, I was like, all right, I'm shedding this weight. So all week, 
uh, probably ate too few calories and definitely not enough carbs to support my level of activity. So that Saturday on my long run, it was a struggle bus. The struggle was real. So then I got back on the scale and I had lost seven pounds in five days. So that just tells you part of it was just normal body systems. And the other part was I just cut entirely too many calories and carbs. So I decided I was just going to go back to my fitness pal and make sure I was eating my correct number of macros, eating my base calories, plus my exercise calories. And as a result, my training run this past Saturday was so much better. (laughs) It's amazing how the amount of food you intake impacts your energy level. Yeah, you definitely don't want to overeat. But we've talked about before, you and I oftentimes eat the right foods. It's very rare that we go way off the trail and eat sugary snacks or just dense calorie food with no nutritional value. Like we eat healthy food. Sometimes you just (laughs) have to take a step back and be a little bit more objective in your approach, I guess. So lesson learned on that. I'm a week out from Boston. I'm feeling good. I'm not going to step back on the scale. I'm going to continue in my fitness pal to monitor what I'm eating and get a good mix of protein, carbohydrate, and healthy fat. Keep my calories where they need to be and focus on being fit. Yeah, that's a good plan. I know when I was Ironman training that I didn't typically get on the scales, but for some reason, maybe like you, I got on the scales one day and I thought, when did I gain weight and how did I gain weight training as much as I did? I was eating a lot. I was training a lot. Some of that may have been muscle, but I didn't go on any kind of diet to try to cut. I just accepted that that was what it was and stuck with the plan, stuck with what my coach was working with me on, and it all worked out. Yep. But talking about our healthy eating habits, we live about a half a mile walk away from Dairy Queen, and maybe in the last year we have walked to Dairy Queen and gotten a blizzard three times maybe. I can think of twice for sure. And I think one of those times you didn't even get a blizzard. Yeah, but I'm thinking that there's probably at least one time I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) So probably three times. But we like to have a little something special every once in a while, but most of the time we do pretty good. Now, normally if we eat pizza, we'll get a healthier gluten-free crust at the grocery and we'll use Rayos as our red pizza sauce and then load up some grilled chicken and some veggies and put it on there and not even put cheese on it. But yesterday, for whatever reason, we had a little bit of a splurge and we actually bought pizza out. You bought a veggie pizza with no cheese and I bought just a gluten-free cheese pizza. I don't know why because I don't eat cheese very often. Anyway, I ate some of it and was finished and I thought, well, I'll eat the remainder of it today for lunch. (laughs) So I ordered everybody else some lunch and then I went to warm up my cheese pizza and it was almost gone. Any explanations? (laughs) You did offer for me to have some of your pizza. And you said? I did say no, but on (laughs) second thought, it looked so good. And after I tried it, 
it was so much better than my all veggie pizza with no cheese. So today I ate your all veggie pizza gluten-free with no cheese and it was fine too. Did you notice any mushrooms on it? No. There were some surprise mushrooms on it. I don't think there were any mushrooms on the two little mm-hmm. corner pieces that you didn't eat. <laughs> I don't know how much pizza you ate yesterday, but that was impressive. I know how to eat. <laughs> and they, was, they were both good. It's a good thing that you typically eat healthy. <laughs> yeah, I am blessed with a high metabolism. You always have been. I know when you were in your teens and 20s, people would watch you pack away the food and say, oh, you just wait. And that's going to catch up with you. But you have changed your eating habits substantially. You still pack away the food, but you can eat quite a bit of spinach and cabbage and not eat many calories. <laughs> I eat my fair share of mid-jeweled dates and dark chocolate, too, though. That's true. You do. So yesterday, I did some of your run with you. You were doing some tempos in your long run, and it worked out where I could run with you a little bit. And after I reached the total number of minutes I wanted to run, I hopped on the bike and rode beside of you for the rest of your run. And with Chuck Norris-like reflexes, (laughs) I I saw this snake right in front of your path, and I slammed on the brakes, and I said, Snake! To which I had not seen a snake. For all I knew, it was crawling up my leg at this point. (laughs) And there was a person coming towards us on the path who had not seen the snake either. And they were alerted by my quick reflexes and loud scream. Was it a scream? It was more of an, an announcement. It was definitely not a scream. And then there were other walkers and runners coming up behind us who heard me say snake. And they started screaming and dancing wondering where it was at, but I wasn't sure how I was going to get this snake off the path until I saw a little branch on the edge. A little branch? That thing was big as me. Okay. (laughs) I didn't really want to get that close to it, but the snake was very persistent. The snake wanted to be on the green belt and did not like me pushing him with the stick, so he was hissing and, and wiggling and Anyway, he eventually made it to the other side of the green belt and slithered away in the grass. And we all proceeded on our way, laughing as we went. <laughs> Bells on bobtails ringing. <laughs> You're supposed to say my hero at this point. Oh. <laughs> I missed the cue. I was thinking of Jingle Bell lyrics when you started going, laughing all the way. Ha, ha, ha. My hero. You must pay the rent. I can't pay the rent. (laughs) I wonder how many of our listeners would get that. I don't know. If anybody comments on Facebook where that came from, we'll give you a free hat. First person. Good deal. (laughs) So you're heading to Boston this upcoming week? Yes, and you've run it a couple of times. I have been researching strategies for running Boston because the nice thing about Boston is it's a net downhill course. Yes, it is. So you would think that would translate into maybe a PR course or an easier course. But when you look at the elevation, there is a lot of downhill. But even in the downhill sections, it's rolling up, down, up, down, (laughs) up, down for a net loss but still up and down. So it seems like maybe the first 16 miles, it's either 
a net loss plus some flats. And then you make a right turn. At the Newton Fire Station. And then evidently there's four climbs for which my understanding is none of them are incredibly steep climbs, but just based on where they fall in the race and the length of the climbs that you can expect the pace to slow a little bit in that section. Yeah. Yeah, you want to try to maintain a consistent effort, which you're going to slow down going up the hills if you do that. Yeah. So it seems to me people who have been successful running Boston, which you have, are conservative for the first 16 miles and then don't blow it on the hills and then take off at mile 20. Yeah, I don't know if that was exactly my strategy, but that's a good idea. Some of my key takeaways are just be really conservative the first six miles because that's predominantly downhill and it's so early in the race you you don't want to overdo it with 20 miles to go. And then once you get to around the six mile mark, mostly flat, some rollers until you get to the town of Newton around mile 17. That middle section there, that's where I would try to make sure I was hitting the right pace that I wanted to target for my my goal finish time. And then knowing you're going to lose a little bit of time through the town of Newton, I would typically go just a little bit quicker leading up to mile 17. And after you get over Heartbreak Hill, you leave the town of Newton somewhere around mile 21. And the rest of the course is either flat or just a little bit of rolling hills as you're heading into Boston. But the uh, excitement of just getting that close to the finish line just really carried me in, uh, carried me the last time I was at Boston. And seeing that Sitco sign off in the distance is pretty cool. And knowing that when you get there, you only got one mile to go. One mile to go. And that could be really encouraging or it could be a sad moment to think, I only have one mile left of this Boston experience. I can never remember a marathon when I was sad that I was almost finished. But this is Boston. Okay. You know, people keep telling me this. It's kind of it's kind of like, the, here's the analogy I'll use. Everybody told me how wonderful it was to be a grandparent. And I'm thinking, okay, I had children. Like, I know how wonderful it is to have children. And they're like, oh, but you've not had a grandchild. And I'm thinking, oh, there's no way that's going to be any different than having children. Which, don't get me wrong, I loved our children. I still love our children. But a grandchild is pretty sweet. (laughs) So, I kind of feel like maybe this is going to be the Boston experience. Because everybody keeps telling me, oh my goodness, you're not even going to believe how wonderful it is to run Boston. And again... I enjoy marathons. That is why I train for and run marathons. But there are parts of a marathon, just like parts of raising children, that's exhausting. So maybe I'll come back on in a week or so and say Boston is definitely the grandchild of marathons. (laughs) But in my head, I'm just thinking about strategy and the work and you know the training cycle has been a little different because I didn't know I was running Boston until what four weeks ago something like that so the training is not where 
I would have been. I definitely would have been training heels. <laughs> so it's really going to be an experience that I do completely by feel because I don't, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see where I am. I can't see just going out and going, oh, I'm just going to kind of lollygag. And I mean, I feel like I'll do the best I can do on that day. Yeah. You're going to do great. So, but yeah, I can't imagine if at the sit go sign, I feel sad that it's almost over then for sure, this is the grandchild of marathons <laughs> because I have never not wanted a marathon to be over. And I've, you know, I've run Disney marathons and I was ready for them to be over. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your best tip? Best tip for Boston? Mm-hmm. Be patient, which that's a good tip for all marathons, but be patient that first six miles. Don't let the energy, the decline trick you into thinking you're going to shock the world, stick to your plan. Shock the world. Stick to the plan. I guess I better develop a plan. It sounds like you just announced your plan. You're going hard. You're going by feel. You're not lollygagging. Is that your plan? That's my plan. (laughs) Might want to add a little detail to that plan. (laughs) Yeah. I I have in the back of my mind what I'd like to do, but I think I'll just keep that in the back of my mind. Hmm. You're not going to tell your coach. I might. Okay. I told Bethany. Does that count? It does count. I mean, she is going to Boston with me, so she needs to know the plan. So they're doing some things differently this year at Boston. They are having a rolling start starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. In the past, it's been a mass start that started at 10 o'clock and then another wave at around 1030 they are busing people to Hopkinton, presumably based on your your start time, which is identified by your bib, and all that's in an effort to reduce congestion, whether that's in Hopkinton or at the starting line or throughout the course. So start people based on their pace and hopefully keep things a little bit spread out. But the country road that Boston runs on is just not very wide, so... There's going to be people around you all the time. I really think it's going to be better. I won't have a basis for comparison, but I don't have to be at the finish line to get on the bus until 9.15. And that bus will take me out to the start. And then as soon as I get off the bus, I can go start. Yeah, you've got about three quarters of a mile walk to get to the start. Assuming they're dropping off at the same spot. Well, the participant guide showed that there was a three quarters of a mile walk. Guess I'll be doing a warm-up before this race. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think that's better than bussing out there at 7 in the morning and sitting around until 10 o'clock and finally getting the start. Yeah. Have you seen anything about the award ceremony this year at Boston? I have not. I didn't see anything either, but that is one of the things that I found really special in the past is attending the Tuesday award ceremony. I believe it was the day after on a Tuesday. It was just really cool to be in the same room with all the winners and the elite athletes. It's pretty cool. Well, considering our plane departure is 8 o'clock Tuesday morning, I will not be attending awards. So while you are doing Boston, I will be supporting a friend in his Moab 240 Ultra Marathon. 
that will be a new adventure for me. So I will be crewing and pacing. So my pacing duties don't start until the wee hours of Tuesday morning, the final day before the conclusion of the race. And my section is mostly downhill, but downhill in the dark, probably really cold. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. Have you started packing yet? I have started packing about a week early, but I'm packing for summer and I'm packing for winter because the temperature swings in Moab are quite drastic. I have not started packing for Boston yet, but I have a feeling I will be in shorts and a singlet. It doesn't matter how cold it is, shorts and a singlet. (laughs) That is not true, but I think it will be true Monday. It's different for different people. Some people, it's shorts and a singlet every time. Some people, it's tights all the time. But I'm typically pretty good in shorts and a singlet as long as I have something covered my ears and something covered my hands. And then as I warm up, I can throw those away. I think I ran in tights in Carmel, didn't I? I don't remember. Pretty sure I did. Pretty sure. Tights and three layers. And I shed a couple of them. Yeah, you got rid of one of your best jackets. It, it was a favorite. I even looked. You know, you're not the only one that makes a Christmas list. I looked for that jacket. They don't make that jacket anymore. I really should have gone back and gotten that jacket. I discarded it in an area where I could have found it, but I was tired after the race. I didn't want to go back and get it. I could have went for you, but I didn't know. Sorry. Speaking of discarding, that's something that you'll have to keep in mind when you go to Boston because gear check is not at Hopkinton. Gear check is at the finish line. So whatever you take with you on the bus, you're either going to dispose of or carry it with you on the run. Yes, I guess I really don't understand that because I have run, as have you, several point-to-point courses. And there's always been gear check at the start, which is basically a truck. And then they transport your gear to the finish line. But I guess with the race of 30,000 people, there's just not that many trucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what the reasoning is. One thought is that this is in response to the horrible events that took place at the Boston finish line in 2013, but it's probably not related to that. I mean, is this a change or have they never had gear check at the starting line? The last time I was there, they had gear check at the starting line. You're sure about that? I'm sure about that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was a big race back then, so it's not logistics of not being able to transport. Uh, Yeah, I have no explanation. And they're requiring you to use the clear Boston Marathon bag that they give you when you pick up your packet at the expo. So they're going to be able to see what's in it. I just can't see needing gear check at the finish line. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) So are you going to carry your phone during the race? I don't plan to. Okay. I thought I might give you a call, check on you. (laughs) You figured I'd just have a phone conversation (laughs) during my race. I will say I have had a friend who twice when running the Boston Marathon, she FaceTimed me while running up Heartbreak Hill. So obviously Heartbreak Hill is not that bad. Obviously. I don't remember it being horrific. A lot of people talk about the mile after Heartbreak Hill and that that is often where the race falls apart and is lost. Something about the haunted mile or have you ever heard of that? I have not heard about that. I have to do a little research on that. Is there a is there a section between Newton and Brookline where it gets really quiet where there are no crowds or is from that point on... I don't remember 
anything unusual about that section. So normally the Boston Marathon is on Patriots Day in April, and when the weather is not that great, there's an average of about 500,000 spectators. And then on days where the weather's been beautiful, there's been over 1 million spectators. So it will be interesting because it's not Patriots Day to see if there are even people that are cheering. Is it a state holiday? I know the schools are not in session, but I don't know why. You know what? I think it's um some sort of indigenous day celebration. Okay. <laughs> you have nothing to say about that? No. I just remember people being in their front yards all along the course on this country road and little kids wanting to clap your hand or to hand you a banana or different refreshment options. Just a really cool race. The town of Boston really welcomes the athletes. I was reading today that the charity runners, most of them raise a minimum of $10,000. Wow. So if there are 6,000 charity runners, you do the math. It's a lot. It's a lot of zeros. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of something I saw on Facebook. We've got a friend who is a streak runner, and we've talked about that. That's not running with no clothes on. It's running every day. Consecutive runner. Consecutive runner. And this person was celebrating comma day which was her 1,000th consecutive day. So now she has to put a comma in when she's talking about how many consecutive days she's run. I'd never heard of comma day. So just on a final note with this podcast, we've been all over the place with it, but several of our athletes are running Boston, and I'm running Boston, and there are other events coming up this weekend. So the dreaded taper which is funny because it should not be dreaded. It should be like celebrated and embraced. But I'll have a lot of extra time on my hands this week. So I'm going to try to be productive with that time. I'm going to practice my violin more. Check. I'm going to find an old race plan and revise it because let's just face it, when you don't realize you're running a race until four or five weeks before the race, you skip some steps. So... My race plan is not fully developed. But you have a really good handle on your race nutrition, so that's that's pretty key. That's key. And then I also, from previous races, have the list of everything that needs to be packed. And I try to be as limited as possible when I'm flying to a race because I don't want to check a bag. But the way I figure it is if I have the correct shoes, anything else I forget. I can figure out. So the main thing that you really need to update for your race plan is anything related to the weather conditions or your pacing strategy. I think the main thing I need to update is my hotel information, (laughs) my flight information, and how to navigate the Boston public transportation system. Bethany will be there to help you. And how complicated could it be, really? Just follow all the other runners. (laughs) From the airport. Yep. We'll just see how many runners are flying in at 11 p.m. on Saturday night. And and many of them will be wearing their previous Boston jackets. So it'll be easy to spot. I haven't decided if I'm going to take my Boston jackets or not. I have mixed feelings about that. I would just take whatever you need to stay warm. I have a lot of jacket options. I might have to wear an RYR Endurance Team hat. That would make for some really good pictures. (laughs) 
you say so? You have a good uh, scripture to get me through this taper week? Yeah, I've got one. It's Psalm 18, verses 31 to 33. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on my high places. I like it. You're going to do great in Boston. Thank you. And to our athletes out there who are going to Boston, we're rooting for you. We know you're going to do great as well. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.